This is Trimming the Musical Fad. Welcome to our special seven-episode mini-series focusing on the 1980 singles and albums from U2. And here's your hosts, Stephen and Paul Nicholson. So welcome to the first episode of our special U2 side series. I'm Stephen Nicholson. No brother Paul today, but I'm delighted to be joined by U2 mega fan, Mr. Ross Braidwood. How are you, Ross? I'm very well, I'm very well. I've never been termed a a mega fan before. Uh, Um, I'm I'm sure you've been called worse. (laughs) Definitely. And I can't blame people who don't like U2 as well. Exactly, exactly. Well, and we are going to be talking about, obviously, the, the, the singles from U2's debut album, Boy. So, let's do the tale of the tape. So, this was the, the debut album from Irish four-piece U2. It was recorded in Windmill Lane Studios, Dublin, between July and September 1980. The album was produced by Steve Lillywhite. Uh, and then previously, in 1979, the band had released an EP called Three, which featured the songs Out of Control, Stories for Boys, and Boy Slash Girl. So the musical style uh, of Boy would be best described as post-punk. So, as I mentioned already, the album was released in 1980. It's got 11 tracks on it. The duration of the album is 43 minutes. Uh, chart-wise, it got to number 52 in the UK, and number 63 in the US. As of June 2022, the album has sold 3.7 million copies, which is uh, excellent uh, for a debut. Uh, The album's rating on rateyourmusic.com is 3.52 out of 5, and that's from over 6,000 user ratings. That's uh, very decent. Uh, Album cover is a black-and-white photo of a young boy called Peter Rowan, which was photographed by Hugo McGuinness and designed by Steve Averill. And the number of singles from the album, well, there were two uh, released from the album, but prior to it, there were two non-album singles released, which we'll also discuss during this episode. And those singles are Another Day, 11 O'Clock TikTok, A Day Without Me, and I Will Follow. So, Ross, let's delve into each and every one of them. So let's go into the debut single, which was Another Day, and let's hear it now. This was a debut single by the band and it was released in February 1980. Its B-side was an early version of the song Twilight, a song which would later be re-recorded for the Boy album. And let's hear a little bit of Twilight.
The single was the follow-up to their 1979 debut release EP, U2-3. So the single cover for this, uh, I don't know if you recall the single cover, Ross? No, no. It's no. not one I've ever, um, no, I've uh, never ever seen the front cover of it. So can yeah, you tell well, me? let me try and describe it. Black and white with uh, black lines uh, going across a white background with two kind of angry and sad-looking balloons, which are in black and white as well. <laughs> um, okay. There was no official video for the single, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. uh, and it was exclusively released in Ireland, but it failed to enter the Irish singles chart. And um, the release of the song was timed to coincide with a concert at Dublin Stadium on February 26, 1980, and that concert was broadcast on RTE2 Radio. After that very concert, U2 signed their contract with Island Records. Um, so, Ross, I'll let you go first on this one. So what do you think of Another Day? When, when, when you say this, the, the singles that we're going to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually thought I'd heard the song. Then I went on the YouTube for the first time, and I thought, this is probably the only time I've, I've not heard a, a U2 song I've never heard before. Yeah, apart from the last album, in terms of the early stuff. So it didn't ring a bell at all. So one, it's one of, really one of the ones I've heard before, but I've just, I'm, it's just never sank in. Yeah. So I gave it a few listens, and as the, I suppose as the first single, you were saying that it didn't chart very well in Ireland. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's probably a good enough reason that it's, it, it's, uh, it feels like a, it's an album filler for me. It's like a, okay. and I think there's, a, there's definitely a song or two, either in Boy or October, <clears throat> that takes kind of the part of the song, I think, um, yeah. or borrows from it. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty underwhelming. I've got to say, I think it's pretty a pretty average average track by them. Only ways up, I think. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, for me, we're mm. we're, we're not getting off to a spectacular start. Um, <laughs> I I for <laughs> I. I first heard this for the first time last month, and I mean the the, the thing is, is I don't dislike it. I mean it's 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 pretty rudimentary. It's perfectly fine. It's you know it's it'll, it'll get your foot tapping. There's nothing in it particularly that that excites me though. Um, there's nothing in it that offends me. <laughs> it's just just it's all right. Um, it's it's very much a straight ahead tune, uh, which is full of youthful ex- exuberance. You know, it has it does have a good energy. About it, and I, and, and in it, I can hear bits of the the strokes in the Stone Roses in in the song, um, or being an influence perhaps on them. But you certainly, on listening to this, you wouldn't think it's from uh, a band that's going to go on and be as huge as as, as the band be- becomes. Um, but but yeah, it's a perfectly fine song. <laughs> So, Ross, we're going to rank, uh, during each episode, we're going to rank th- these in the, the grand scheme of things, the uh, U2 singles. Is it a top, middle, or bottom tier U2 song, um, in your opinion? So I'll let you go first. What do you think? A bottom. Possibly their weakest yep, I would agree single, to... we'll find that out when we go through the 80s. Mm. Yep, okay. Yep, so we're in agreement so on that one. So let's move... Let's move on to the next one, which is 11 o'clock TikTok, and here it is. Oh, 
So that was 11 o'clock TikTok, which was released in May 1980 and was the band's first release on Island Records. Uh, and the song was actually originally titled Silver Lining and it was reworked into, uh, obviously, 11 o'clock TikTok. Um, its B-side was a non-album track called Touch and here's a quick snippet of it. So Touch was originally called Trevor. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Trevor, is that no, is that no Bono's brother or something? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure but Bono's is... brother's Trevor, I think, called right. Trevor, I think, or, or, uh, or the age, I can't mind. <laughs> well, I'm glad to change the name of it because <laughs> it's, it's just the strangest song title ever. Um, but yeah, both songs on the single release were produced by Joy Division and OMD producer Martin Hannett. Uh, and these were the only YouTube recordings produced by, by Hannett. Now, the single cover for this one uh, is quite a strange one to describe, but let's just say it's a, a little bit abstract with shapes and uh, black lines and blue background. That's probably... Black only lines. way I can describe it. Black lines, isn't it? Black lines, yeah, seems to be the thing, isn't it? Um, there was no promo video for the song, but the band did tour the single in the UK and Ireland on the appropriately named 11 o'clock TikTok tour, which commenced in May mm. 1980. Try, try saying that five times in a row quickly. <laughs> 11 o'clock TikTok tour, 11 o'clock TikTok. <laughs> um, and But despite that, the song did not chart on its uh, original release. And here's a fact for you. Uh, the, the harmonic guitar section towards the end of the song features an incorporation of the third quarter chime of uh, the Westminster quarters from Big Ben. Yeah. Uh, obviously in, in London. Mm. Um, and you know what? I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I and I kept playing the outro of the song to listen to it, thinking it was coming in uh, a little bit earlier. But it's actually really the last couple of seconds as it fades out, you hear it. Oh, <laughs> so, in cool. fact, let me play it for the listeners right now, Ross. Okay, the song's lyrics were written by lead vocalist Bono based on his experience at a Cramps concert in London where he watched a lifeless, goth-style crowd from the balcony and wasn't very impressed with the crowd. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think about uh, 11 o'clock TikTok, Ross? <clears throat> uh, it's a strange one because I think, again, I went on YouTube and I don't think I've, I've heard the original that often. So the, the okay. first time most... People would have heard that it's on the, under a blood red sky, so you, right. you, you know from there. <clears throat> and I think and it's yeah, it's one of my favourite songs, huh? one of my favourite U two songs. And actually, the 
listening to it, you can kind of tell that it's an early version of it. And when they played it live, they just maybe changed things slightly, the guitar and, and, and whatnot. And it's actually, and I got this, I think, on, again on YouTube ages ago, it's on the October special edition that you've got a live version of it called TikTok, but it's like in a, like a, a theatre or something like that. Yep. And it's the definitive version because good part of the song, the best part is, is actually Edge's uh, guitar solo towards the end. It's, and it's just that style of guitar, which I love. And it's just an excellent song. So I always thought, for me, I always thought it was a B-side, actually. So I always say to people, you know, what <laughs> are B-sides ever? Eleven o'clock TikTok, and then you find out it was a single. Now you were saying I'm a mega fan. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but it's uh, yes, yeah, so uh, and it's definitely be well up there. And my, if I looked at all all my favorite YouTube songs, would be well up there. But it's going to be the live version, I think, not not the not the studio version. Okay. Um. Yeah. For me. Um. Um. <clears throat> I only heard this for the first time. Uh, I think last month, but it's. Definitely an improvement on another day. I like the the opening refrain that's repeated in the song. Um, and the, the chorus actually uh, made me think of a band we're both big fans of, Arcade Fire. That kind of backing yeah. vocal that, that that goes on, and it is yeah, Arcade Fire I have a lot of songs that that use that kind of trick. Um, yeah, I mean for me, I still don't think it's a classic or anything, but yeah, uh, because maybe the verses are are pretty forgettable. But like another day, it does coast along on its its energy, and it is an improvement. So um, yeah, good song. So let's rate it, Ross. Uh, I can already guess mm-hmm. where you're putting this, uh, top, middle, or bottom. You probably put middle based on the recording, but the song itself and okay. obviously live versions, yeah, I'd put top. Okay, so if it was a live one top and it's studio incarnation middle. And I would agree with middle, you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm going to agree with you again on, on that one. So uh, that 11 o'clock TikTok gets into the middle tier. Which brings us on to our third of four songs, and that is uh, a, a single, a song that did appear on Boy, and that is A Day Without Me, and here it is. So yeah, first single from Boy, and it was released in August 1980, and it was the first single produced by longtime collaborator Steve Lillywhite, or somebody who would go on to be a longtime collaborator. Um, and it was their first song to be released outside the UK and Ireland. Its B-side was an instrumental called Things to Make and Do, and here's a quick clip of it. 
Right, single cover. This is easy this time, Ross. <laughs> I can do this. Uh, so yeah, basically, the the it's an image, um, uh, or photograph by Susan Byrne of a footbridge at Booterstown Railway Station in South Dublin. Right, black and white image. Yep, there we go. That's nice and easy. Uh, again, there was no promo video for the song, and the song did not chart. <laughs> there's, there's consistency here, isn't there? <laughs> so, cu- couple of facts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a couple of facts. So, the single played a key role in breaking the band in the US when DJ Carter Allen started playing it on his show on WBCN in Boston. Uh, the song's lyrics refer to the removal of someone from their habitual social circle and reflecting on what the world would be like without their presence. So, Ross, what do you think of uh, A Day Without Me? It's quite a catchy tune, isn't it? I can understand yep. why it was picked up as a, as a single. So, I, I mean, the, the terms, the, quite like the start of the drums, it goes do 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 and then it kicks in with the sort of guitar riff. Yep. So I, it's one of the songs that kind of grabs you straight away. Um, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. quite melodic. And it's, it's just a really, it's a really, um, really sort of strong sort of pop songs. I can understand. Uh, it's, it's still, and it's still, I would say it's one of the strongest songs on the, on the album as well. Um, and I can also see why, yeah, they went with it as their, as their first, uh, first single. But yeah, excellent song. Um, Probably the album might not have been my first choice to, to release, but yeah, I can see why they did. Okay. Uh, for me, um, I think now you two are starting to sound like you two um, on this song. Um, I think the, the playing and the structure of the song is is rudimentary still, uh, but I do like the, the first line, uh, I'm starting a landslide in my ego. That's great. Mm. That's really good. But yeah, you're right. I think that that driving bass reminds me. The it, it reminded me of something else, and it sounds a little bit like uh, I don't know if you remember it. Fanfare for the Common Man by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Rings a bell the song, but I probably would know it if you played it. Yeah, the bass is a bit like that, and uh, and I think that song came out just a couple of years prior to uh, prior to to this. Um, but yeah, as a tune, I wouldn't say it's all that memorable to me, but it's perfectly fine. Um, I think Edgy's guitar in it is great, uh, especially the break about halfway through. It's really good. Um, and I think it's another song that uh, just reminded me a bit of Arcade Fire around about the 2 minute 20 mark. Um, like, oh, there we are. Another bit that sounds like it. So yeah, for me, that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, how would you rate this one, Ross? Top, middle, or bottom? Top, middle, or bottom? Eh, middle, middle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not quite top tier, but yeah, it's not far off it. Okay. 
Uh, well, I'm going to break with you on this one. I'm going lower tier on this particular one. That's fine. Ouch. That's fine. So let's move on to the, the final track we're going to look at today. Or the final single we're going to look at today anyway. And that is I Will Follow. And here it is. I Will Follow was the second single from Boy, which was released in October 1980, and it's also the opening track of the Boy album. The B-side in the UK and Ireland was Boy Girl, uh, live from the Marquee Club in London. That was recorded on September the 22nd, 1980. So the single cover for this is, um, yeah, the, for, for, for the UK and Ireland anyway, it just used the, the same black and white image from the back of the Boy album, um, which shows a boy holding yeah. his left shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and the song was U2's first music video, uh, directed by, I think it's Mier Tavis or Mejer Tavis, um, in Dublin, and it features the band forming the song in studio, with an image of the Boy album cover behind them. I don't know, do, you, do you recall that, Ross? Is, it, is, it, is that a video? Are they in like a white studio? Is that, is that like a white background? Yep. The studio? Aye. Yep. I do, I do vaguely, probably on YouTube, I've probably seen it. Don't remember, obviously, at the time, but um, it would have been yeah. YouTube probably at some point. So that is the, the, the first video. The song did not chart on the original release in the UK and Ireland, although it did get to 71 in Australia and 34 in New Zealand. And a couple of facts. Um, so I Will Follow is the only song that you 2 have performed on every tour since they released their first album. And lead singer Bono wrote the lyrics to I Will Follow in tribute to his mother, who died when he was 14 years old in 1974, uh, he wrote lyrics from the perspective of, of his mother, Ida's, and they are about the unconditional love a mother has for her child. So I will follow Ross. What do you think? What a song, I mean, what a song to start your, your actual career. Your first album, debut album, your first your first song, probably should have been your first single as well, to be honest, but first uh, song. And I mean, it's just got that great opening as, I'm just, I mean, I've heard this song millions of times. But as, as, at the very start, it's like a wee shout or something by somebody. Yep. And then, yep. Ah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And then, and then it's just that riff kicks in. And then, and then, and I think it's, is it like a xylophone or something like that? Yes. Just kicks in as well. And I'm like, oh, I'm there, I'm there. And I can see why this is endured through. Not just obviously the lyrics and what's about, but the song itself is endured through all their tours. 
Because all of us are a post-punk song or a quite a sort of punk edge song, it's still it's just a great tune. It's just a great tune. Um and it's got a great sort of middle eight as well, a a breakdown. Yeah. Um Your Eyes Make a Circle. Yeah. I've seen that during the and I mean it's just, yeah, yeah, and then it just kicks back your eyes and then and then being edges and I suppose I mean they're all very good, but I think the first three albums, it's the edges guitar and I just love I love that sound. Yeah, post punk sound. I just kinda like that that sort of guitar sound. And he's obviously front and centre. So yeah, just and it's a classic, absolute classic song for me. And um okay. yeah, can't say much else about it. Yeah, so for me, this is a song I was already familiar with as it was on the band's Best of 80s album, which came out in 98, I want to say. And probably the first time I heard it was uh, when I seen the band live in 97 on the Pop Mart uh, concert uh, on the tour. Uh, I heard it at that show. Um, and the, yeah, they've performed it. I've seen you two four times and they've performed it every single time. So, yeah, it's a good tune, a real urgency to it, which I believe Bono was quite adamant about achieving in the studio, which led to some arguments. Uh, and the thing that always stood out to me was was what you, you, you had mentioned there, where you thought it was maybe a, a xylophone. Yeah, apparently it's a glockenspiel that's on it. But, it, yeah, you just don't hear that in pop or rock music, do you? So it, it really does... Uh, make it quite uh, individual. Uh, so unusual in a rock song. Uh, but yeah, it's got a great chorus. Um, and you already mentioned how you like the uh, the middle eight, um, which is around the two-minute mark. And, and and what was interesting to read up about it is that um, Steve Lillywhite had recorded the sounds of cutlery rubbing against the spokes of a spinning wheel on an upturned bicycle to get some of the, the sounds in that part, as well as Bono smashing bottles at the same time. And when you do listen to it, knowing that, you're kind of, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like get But you, you would never, I don't think you would ever know that just from pure, yeah, purely... Just listening to the track, but when you when you you mm. do find that information out and you listen, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, listen out for that next time. Uh, I'm going to suggest you're going to rate this top tier, Ross. Yeah, you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, um, uh, I very much like it. Don't love it, so I'm going to put it into middle tier for me. Yeah, hard taskmaster. Sorry, Ross. It's going into the middle. <laughs> There we go. We agreed on a couple there. We agreed on a couple. So, before we talk about the Boy album, let's hear from our U2 um, hating friend, Davy Mellon, who will be a recurring guest on these U2 episodes. He really doesn't like U2. So, what we're, so what we're getting him to do is listen to one of the singles from... Uh, from the album that we're featuring each episode and just to get his honest thoughts on it, whether they're good or they're bad. So here's Davy's thoughts on I Will Follow. I Will Follow. 
uh, pretty much sounds like most U2 songs to be fair um, there is one song in particular that I think it sounds like but I can't really remember what it's called and I don't really want to go through uh, the back catalogue to find out to be fair um, actually I remember it now it's uh, in the name of love that song yeah that's just a complete rip off or a riff off of that uh, song Bono has some sort of weird airport fetish singing about runways like what? Um, and why does he sing in a Cockney geezer accent when he's singing your eyes make a circle uh, and I'm quite angry really because uh, my Apple Music now thinks I like you too and because I've listened to this song so much and it keeps popping random songs into my playlists Right, thanks Davey for your thoughts, I think. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Boy M. So what, what was the critical reaction to the album? So it actually received uh, generally favourable reviews. So Paul Morley of NME called it honest, direct and distinctive, adding that he found it touching, precocious, full of archaic and modernistic conviction. That's easy to say. Um, Betty Page of Sounds said that they achieved a rare mixture of innocence and aggression and described the album as an overall feeling of loving care and energy intertwined with simplistic and direct hooks and chords. Uh, Lyndon Barber from Melody Maker hailed it as a good, rich record, writing that Boy is more than just a collection of good tracks assembled in an arbitrary order and that it had youthful innocence and confusion. Robin Denslow of The Guardian wrote that it was a strong debut album, praising Lily White for helping you to improve since a live show that the reviewer attended. Denslow said that the group succeeded at their goal of achieving a balance of power and sensitivity and said the record only needs slightly stronger melodies to be very impressive indeed, which I think is fair. So, Ross, do you remember uh, when and where you first heard the, the album? So it's through my brother, actually. My brother... One of my brother's mates, he had, I don't know how it came about, but he had loads of U2 stuff, records, um, a lot of rare stuff as well, and tapes, I had a couple of tapes from the Playhouse and stuff like that, so anyway, there was a whole heap of stuff, so I was partly using my way into to YouTube, and um, and Boy was in that, I'm pretty sure, and uh, so when I heard that then, so you're probably talking, I think uh, late 90s maybe right maybe or, or mid, mid to late 90s maybe mid, mid 90s so that's why we were when I first heard it properly and um, so well, anyway, well you have answered the question yeah in, in my house that's what okay um, what did you think of it then and what do you think of it now I think um, it's probably the ones where from day one I've always loved it I've always loved it and as years have gone on, I've probably it's probably gone up in my estimations rather than staying where it is. Because some albums go the other way. I've got a YouTube album that's gone the other way where I liked it when it first came out. I didn't like it. I don't like it as much now. But this one's an, an example. It's probably grown with me. And I think it's like you say, one of the reviewers. It's about energy. So the songs, obviously, it's coming out punk, post punk era. So the songs have got an energy about them. And maybe the innocence is one of these things, but they've got an energy about them. Not production wise, not too un, quite uncluttered as well. So you can hear everything. The drums are pretty good and 
what the songs and the bass and obviously uh, Edge's guitar. Um, so you've kind of got all that. So I, it's gone back to our debut having energy. So like good examples would be like Oasis, definitely maybe, and probably even a better example for me is uh, Stereophonics. Is, uh, how it's just got an energy that I still love, and that, the boys are exact same. And it's just and the songs are majority of the songs I still love. There's one or two I don't like, but we'll get to that. But um, all of the songs I like for for different reasons. But yeah, I think it's a it's not the greatest debut album all the time, but it's it's definitely very very strong. Okay. Debut album. Thinking about what the first single was, you know, it's quite impressive. Yeah. Well, for me, I first heard this just last month um, at the gym. <laughs> That's where, where I tend to get most of my listening um, without any interruptions. Uh, it's great. Just I was going to say peace and quiet, but it is. Get your headphones on, exercise away. And I was listening listen to this a few times down there initially. So, Ross, well, I should explain to the listeners, actually, before I get you to ask me a question. So I should explain uh, that although I'm a U2 fan, I've never owned this album or any of their first four albums until now and and that's really because I'm not a fan of their early to mid 80s sound which is why bands of a similar ilk from that that time period such as Simple Minds, The Alarm, Echo and the Bunnymen and such that kind of post-punk sound just doesn't do it for me. Um, Yes I'll like even love some of the material case in point uh, Echo and the Bunny Man's uh, "The Killing Moon" is a fabulous song, right. but um, yeah, but as a rule, of, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play any it's Echo and the Bunny Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but yes, yeah, so on the whole, that sound just doesn't do it for me. So Ross, ask me the question then: Do I like Boy? <laughs> I think I know what the answer is. Do you like Boy? Yeah. Do I like Boy, Ross? I'm going to hold up something, Ross. <laughs> the answer's yes, is it? Because you've got it there. You've got a record. I liked it that much, Ross. I dropped £20 to get the white vinyl well, record store day 40th. In fact, 40th? Yeah, 40th anniversary edition of the album. White vinyl. White vinyl. How cool is that? Huh? Oh, it's lovely. This, this is good for the people that are listening, not watching. <laughs> so I, sh- I should explain. I'm holding up the Boy album, and it's the 40th anniversary re-release white vinyl, um, which came out on, uh, which was a Record Store Day exclusive from a couple of years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. So yeah, you've got the the poster in there. You've got obviously the record on white vinyl, the, uh, the lyric sheet and everything. But uh, yeah, so I liked it that much, Ross. I went and bought it on vinyl. So, why, uh, so another question then. So if you don't like that sound, why why did you like that sound then? I just thought it was really good. And and I suppose it was maybe preconceived notions about how it was going to sound. It was actually not how I thought it was going to sound. And it was much more maybe tuneful than I was expecting. Uh, I think it's got great raw energy, as you mentioned already, that post-punk sound. It's, it's uncluttered, as you'd mentioned as well. They're still obviously honing their craft, so it's it's rough around the edges, but I don't mind that. I think the songwriting still to obviously broaden 
in the tour, but it's just a good snapshot of the band at this time. And I bet they would have been absolutely brilliant to have seen it this time. Um, but no, there were just some really good hooks on on the songs. Uh, I think the sequencing of the record is excellent. The the really sequenced the, the running order really, really well. And yeah, I was just surprised. I was like, and like all albums, the first couple of listens, you go, hmm, and it was just one day, I think maybe for the fourth time, I thought, this is actually good stuff. I'm enjoying sure. this. Yeah. I just, it was energy, Ross. I think there's a couple of some good hooks on there. But yeah, just the, the energy, I like that. I was listening to it again this morning. And um, yeah, it's impressive. Very impressive debut. So there you go. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what way it was going to go. Um, but yeah, good, good to good to know. And I think sometimes as well, you, you, you come to music at a different point in your life. So I mean, yeah. if I'm like, I'm, if I'm like go back to the mid-90s, it would probably be stuff that oh, I've touched that. I would never listen to that. Yeah, but I'm more open to it now, you know. And I, I think that was it, you know. It's just that yeah, you mature or you change, and you come to music at a different different time. And maybe that's that's it. If you have heard it 20 years ago, you might think, oh, yeah, it's still for me. Totally agree. Um, and and I've I've told you this already. That's one of the most enjoyable aspects of 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 doing this podcast is I don't want to say forced to listen to stuff but it does give you the uh, obviously the, the impetus to, to listen to things that maybe you wouldn't have bothered and that's been brilliant because there's so much stuff and bands and artists that i've now become fans of just by doing the podcast uh, and there mm-hmm. we go yeah. there's another album uh you know 42 year old album but really really enjoy it so i'll be listening to that in the future no doubt so yeah, good stuff. Um, what do you think of the album cover, Ross? So obviously, we already mentioned it's the the bo- yeah, yeah, <laughs> a boy so. black and white on the cover. What do you think of it? Oh, you've got it. You've got the CD. I got the CD. I brought the CD. I've actually got a record upstairs as well. But it's, oh, have uh, you? I got it for vinyl balance, so it'll be like that, an old press. original. Um, That's cool. That's cool. You no, know, not quite original, probably, but it would have been like a repress, repress. maybe like yeah. late eighties or something like that. That's cool. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's one of the ones where obviously it's called boy. It's got a boy in the front, so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> um, aye, and I suppose more innocent-ish times. We've yeah. done it now. Yeah. It would be, oh, that's a bit odd, you know? Considering yeah. then, and then they released War, and War's got a, a child and a, a boy in the front as well. Yeah. Child. And, uh, but aye, maybe it's going back to the innocence, maybe, you know, in the songs and stuff like that. That's like the, the innocence in the uh, I, I think it, now I might be making this up, but 10 is in my head. Right, I could be totally making that up. Um, aye. It's, quite, uh, aye, it's, it's quite an eye catching because sometimes as well, I don't know about you, but in years gone by, I've certainly gone into like record shops or buy CDs, and sometimes it's the front cover that grabs you. I thought, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. And it, may, and it may be a wee spiel, you know, you, you get some record shops about a wee spiel about the, the, what the album is or the style of music. Yeah. And you go, oh, it's, uh, it's indie rock music. All oh, right, I'll, I'll give that a go. But sometimes yeah. it's a front cover, so maybe that's kind of one of the ones where you go and say, oh, what's that? Yeah. And you take it home and, yeah, before you know it, it's, it's a great album. So, but yeah, it's definitely... Distinctive. Already in terms of some of their, their album covers and their, over their career, 
Ah, yeah, it'll be ah, that. That'll probably be up there because it's quite simple. Simple one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's distinctive. There's no getting away from it. Um, yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, which is uh, maybe from a more innocent time, and it's it's a shame now. I think in a lot of ways, it's viewed as uh, paedophilic. Um, and even back in the day, yeah, U2's record company Ireland were concerned by it as well. So they actually changed the cover for the US and international release. I'm sure this was the cover only for the UK and Ireland. So, so uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, certainly distinctive. No getting away from it. And um, so, Ross, um, I would be very interested to know what your three favourite tracks are from the from the album. Almost impossible, but I'll probably look too. It's like, yeah, they would be in there, and then after that, what if the site I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. But the third one I've kind of gone with maybe one that's a bit different because I think five or six of songs have all got the same sort of energy, yeah, pace as yeah. well about them. So it'd be maybe three, they're almost the same. So I've gone with something a bit different within that, within the context of the album. So I'm kind of going with three so. Okay. First one, uh, in, in no particular order, would be I Will Follow, definitely. Um, my, probably my favourite song on the album, I would say. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, it's just a great song. And it still is, it still is. It still endures. But what are the greatest stars to an album for me? Although Dave will uh, might disagree with that. <laughs> second one would be Electrical, which I absolutely okay. love. Uh, I love how that starts as well. It starts off with the sort of the guitar, a and then the drums kick in. And I remember doing a compilation ages ago, and I was going through and I was going to pick a U2 song, and I, I sequenced the, the playlist and I put electrical at the start, so it just kicks off. I thought that's actually a perfect start to an album. So it's one of the things where. If I Will Follow was like the first song album, I think Electrical would have been great too, because it just kicks off with it. so much energy. But the yeah. song itself is actually quite a... Quite, quite a um, the kind of story of like, the lyrics, it's all about uh, an, an asylum. Um, you know, for the mental disturbance, you know, and it was all about electric... Um, what do you call it? Therapy. Electrocution mm-hmm. therapy, all that, because yeah. that's what it's all about. So it's actually, subject matter-wise, it's pretty bad, but the song itself is brilliant. And again, it's on uh, Under a Blood Red Sky as well, so it's always been a bit of like, a great song. And then number three, I've opted for Into the Heart. Which right, okay. goes with and can dub. And the reason is be just purely because it's probably a little bit different. It just it starts off with uh, just the, the wee guitar by, um, by The Edge. And then eventually, was it Into the Heart of a Child? Again, it's all going back to the, I suppose, that mm-hmm. boy, isn't it? The name and all that. And then the drums kick in and all that. So it's one of the ones that just builds and builds, but it's, it's a bit different to the others. A bit like the Ocean's the same. Yeah. They're a bit different to the other songs. The other songs are more post punk still, still tuned. So yeah, that would be my three, but like they say, the third one was very hard. So it could have been out of control. So, Day Without Me, you know. Yeah, probably Twilight. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, yeah, I, I Will Follow would be on there. We've already discussed it. My favourite song in the album, uh, I think is great, is Another Time, Another Place. Loved that. Interesting. Uh, I love the repeating chorus you know, in the second half of the song. You, uh, right, I'm, I know what's going to come here, Ross. 
Which is the next bit. Uh-huh. So yes, another time on the place, my favourite on the album. And this was tough. The next, I actually went, like, yeah, I went backwards and forwards on what the, the final one was going to be. And I, I picked Twilight, but I, 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 like, yeah, I was going to, mm, and Cat Dub, maybe. Um, now it controls good as well. And yeah, the electric coat. So I'm going to, I'll stick with Twilight. But yes, it could have been two or three others, which I might have picked. So those are my favourites. What is your least favourite, Ross? Uh, <laughs> by your reaction, I'm going to suggest your least favourite is Another Time, Another Place. You would be wrong. You would be wrong, but... <laughs> so out of the 11 songs, there's always two that, uh, a bit like War actually, we'll, we'll get to that in a future episode, there's two songs that never quite done it for me. Uh, another time, another place, it's, I don't dislike it, it's just one of these songs maybe compared to some of those, I've just always always preferred, always hey. loved the other, other tracks. Um, but but the, yeah, it's a last song, Shadows and Tolkien is pretty... Yeah, one of the ones it's a bit of a disappointment for, for, for the end of an album. It should have probably been electrical or out of control, maybe. It's a bang. I think that should have been the last straw. So, yeah, I think, or, or even just cut it completely. 10 tracks, yeah. electrical, last album. So, yeah, that's that for me is the one. It's not a bad song, it's just, it's, it's okay. It's okay. But it's just compared to the others, um, yeah, it's, it's poison quite now. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Uh, although the one I went with is the the ocean, and it's only ninety seconds long, and, and you know, very slight. Yeah, so it just wouldn't have made much difference to me if it was on the album, or or not. So that would, that would be my one. It's quite a moody piece, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's what I like about it. Again, it's, it's a bit different to everything else in the album. It wouldn't be like the top of my list either, but. I like it because it is, it's a wee bit, and it's, I say it's only for a, a minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, is it Dorian Gray? Is it Dorian Gray picture? Dorian Gray picture, Dorian Gray. Just yeah. by the scene. Yeah. Line. The lyrics. So, Ross, we now need to decide on our rankings for this. Mm-hmm. So in the grand scheme of U2 albums, where yeah. would you put this? Uh, the top middle or bottom tier? Uh, top. Top for you? Top for me, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at all the. Do you want to take time to think about it, Ross? <laughs> well, because when you did ask that, is I was a good question, but when you're looking at all the all their albums, I'm looking at everything that they've done, and then think about what are the sort of the ones where I'd say, look, if you were hadn't heard YouTube before, which ones would you point them to? I'd point them to this one definitely. Yeah, this would definitely be top top tier, and there's not that many in top tier. But there'll be enough, and yeah, That'll definitely be there. Be Again, just the energy as well. Yeah, I mean, the songs are great. They're still great. What, 40 years old? 40 plus years old? They're still great for, to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, I would put it into middle tier, and which I would suggest as a result. Because I, I firmly, before listening to this for the first time, would have very firmly thought this would have been in the lower tier, <laughs> in the relegation zone. Okay. So, um,. <laughs> Yeah, middle <laughs> mid, middle tier with a, a shout, you know, nudging in the, into the top maybe with time. So it's been a very, very pleasant surprise. So our next episode, Ross, we are going to be looking at 
the second album, which is October, which I have only listened to the once at this point. So um, I, I won't say anything just now, but um, yeah, without giving the game away, one that you're a, a big fan of or not? That's a no. <laughs> okay. But well, there is excellence in there. There is excellence okay. in there. But yeah, no. Well, we'll get into it next time. So, thank you for your time today, Roscoe. And um, we'll be back for the October episode uh, at some point. And hopefully for that, October? we'll have Brother Paul. Yeah, <laughs> we'll Brother Paul. And maybe even Mr. Brian Borthwick as well uh, to, to give their thoughts on it. Uh, so, yeah, until then, keep trimming. Musical Flat Podcast is a Stephen and Paul Nicholson production. Contact us via voicemail by going to anchor.fm forward slash ttmf forward slash message or tweet us at, mus- at musical trimming or email us at trimmingthemusicfat at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining uh, our Facebook group or visiting our website www.trimmingthemusicalfat.com or support us financially by going to Patreon and getting some great podcast exclusives.